the um, bronze silicone. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Hey y'all, this is Avery, the host of the Unbound Cinefem podcast, the podcast for bibliophiles and cinephiles alike. How are all my cinephiles doing this evening, afternoon, week, weekend, whenever you are tuning in? I hope you're doing well, and I'm very excited to be coming to you again this week with another episode. October is quickly coming to an end, unfortunately. It makes me very sad because I wait all year for October and October hits and then it just kind of goes away like a like a little blip in the moment. So the end of October does mean that this season of the podcast is coming to an end. I'll be taking a short, quick break before coming back with some more content, some more opinions and reviews. Let's not rush that though because we still have a lot of stuff to get into. Like this week, for example, we are covering a very timeless, very classic witchy movie for the month of October. But before we get into that, what are we streaming? What are we watching? This week, I've been watching the series Sharp Objects, which was a book that was adapted into an HBO Max series, and I've been enjoying it. That is soon to come, that review of the book and the movie, just kind of like how I did with My Best Friend's Exorcism. I will be doing that with Sharp Objects, comparing the two. Very excited for that. I've also been, um, like I've said before, I've been watching Shameless, re-watching it. I've also been watching all of the Halloweens, which is fun. I've been re-watching all of the Halloweens up until Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. I know in my last episode, I made a mistake, and I said Halloween 4. Didn't mean that at all. I just don't know my numbers. <laughs> but I've I watched Halloween 6 at the time that I'm recording this last night. And then I tried to watch H2O and Resurrection. And then when I couldn't watch those, I tried to watch the Rob Zombie Halloween in 2008 or 7. Couldn't watch that. So I just kind of felt a little stuck and upset. I also tried to watch the 2018 one. Couldn't watch that either. Still, a little upset. I wanted to watch the like latest what'd you say, the last four, five years of the franchise, I wanted to watch those movies, Halloween, Halloween Kills, so that for Halloween Ends, which I'm seeing today at the time that we're talking, um, I could be prepared, right? But because I love this franchise so much, almost every single movie is just ingrained into my my genetics, my brain makeup. So I know I know what happens. I just wanted to rewatch it for the funds, right? But there is something very exciting coming to you all the last weekend of October involving Halloween. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Let's not rush things. Like I've been saying, let's not rush it because we're still on this episode for this week. This week, we are talking about Practical Magic, the 1998 witchcraft movie that came out with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Now, this movie, not necessarily loved by critics, but was loved by audiences. And witchcraft movies over the, you know, over the decades have had mixed reviews. We talked about the craft before. Um, Hocus Pocus is very much loved because I think, I mean, it's it's made for kids, 
But when you get to adult witchcraft movies, it can get a little mm, wishy-washy, especially if you take the subject matter in the movie itself more serious than it was intended for. And that was the case for Practical Magic when it came out in 1998, especially because Alice Hoffman, who was the original author of the book Practical Magic, wrote the book with a different idea a different vision than how it was adapted for the screen now in an interview that she had i don't remember where where that interview came from i read it last night i lost it since but um in an interview that she had a while back she was talking about how she always loved witches because no matter no matter how ugly they may have seemed to other people or, you know, like their, their looks never mattered because their looks did not determine how powerful they are, which compared to a society that we have where your looks kind of do determine how much power you have, it will empower young women and even older women to kind of defy those social expectations or social pressures. For a brief overview of Practical Magic, this is coming from Rotten Tomatoes, thanks. The movie follows Sally, played by Sandra Bullock, and Jillian Owens, played by Nicole Kidman, who are born into a magical family. They have mostly avoided witchcraft themselves, but when Jillian's vicious boyfriend, Jimmy mm, Angelov, I think, (laughs) dies unexpectedly, the Owen sisters give themselves a crash course in hard magic. With policeman Gary Hallett growing suspicious, the girls struggle to resurrect Angelov and unwittingly inject his corpse with an evil spirit that threatens to end their family line. In this movie... The Owens family was put under a curse. It started back in the Salem Witch Trials. Their ancestor um, fell in love with a witch hunter, and she became a little too naive. The witch hunter outed her, and because she was scorned in that moment, she set a curse on the entire family down the line, their entire bloodline, and pretty much said that any man that you fall in love with is destined to have a a death fate, right? A fading death. And so that rang true, right? And Sally, this is where Sally and Jillian were a little different because Sally was afraid of this curse. She kind of swore off witchcraft, but she also swore off love because of this generational trauma in a sense, which we will talk about because that we'll dig deep right there but Jillian deals with it differently in the sense that she finds herself in multiple um, romantic affairs never falling in love but she still has open arms to the idea of men loving her everything has always gone good in in terms of that you know just kind of like running away with men and and having these these fleeting little affairs but then Jimmy comes into play and switches things up a little bit. I'll give I'll give a little bit of, of like, you know, my likes that aren't spoilers. It's kind of what I thought about the movie, and then I'll get into the more spoiler aspects of it. This movie dealt with themes of sisterhood and um like feminine power, 
But I also worded it as like the camaraderie of womanhood because yes, femininity is very, very powerful. We've seen in history and we see how that power can scare people. I mean, when you look at the Salem witch trials in history, all of these claims of witchcraft, right? When someone was accused of being a witch, they believed that they were exhibiting these symptoms of being hexed or bewitched, but really they were just they were just women who might have lived on their own, who might have worked for themselves, you know, who might have been dealing with their own like womanly issues that men in a patriarchal society didn't necessarily understand at the time. And so they were deemed witches. I recently saw a 1998-ish interview uh, with the woman who plays Mary, and this was right after Hocus Pocus came out or right around the, the time that it was going to be coming out. And she was talking about how she was afraid of playing into the stereotype of witches and witchcraft because in Hocus Pocus, the Sanderson sisters are you know wanting to eat children and they're trying to lure children in to eat them and so the whole idea of witches eating children was a stereotype that was based off of the fact that a lot of women back in Salem were midwives and they would help carry through abortions and so you know somewhere along the line someone said "Mm, they're eating babies And so that's how that came about. So when you really, really look at these claims and how they translate societally at the time, it's just like, it's really just just men spreading rumors. And that just tells you how dramatic men are. You know how some people like to say, oh, I like to hang out with, with boys, men, because there's so much less drama. Um, hello? Look at, look back in history. And tell me whether you think men are less drama than women. Because who who starts the wars? Sorry, this is this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Anyways, back to on topic. So the sisterhood theme is, you know, very apparent because these are two sisters born into a a witch family. And though they have rejected this power of theirs because of what it has done to their family it's still within them they just have to unlock it i think their sisterly bond is i I wonder if it's enhanced because of their family and how their family has had to rely on each other a family of you know women have had to rely on each other But throughout the movie, you do see how no matter where life takes them, no matter what situation they find themselves in, Jillian and Sally always come back to each other when it's needed. They understand each other and communicate in ways that are, you know, metaphysical or magical because they don't have to call each other on the phone to know that they're needed. They don't have to call each other or write or email to let the other one know that they're hurt like they feel it almost kind of how people wonder like oh two twins like do you all feel when the other one is hurt kind of thing and also of course the camaraderie of womanhood you you do see because the Owens family is full of women because well every man has died that's tried to be a part of that family 
they they do have to stick together and help each other out of binds and kind of just always be that 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 wall that holds them up and there's also a um there's a there's another moment towards the end of the movie but I don't want to say that right now because it could be considered a spoiler so I'll hold off on that but the other theme that I noticed was the theme of identity particularly when it comes to a woman Sally specifically rejects her identity as a witch because of the trauma that she dealt with as a child she didn't grow up with a father and her mother I think her mother killed herself something happened with her mother I think she probably killed herself after her father's death which then led them to move in with their aunts and so and this was all because of the curse so she's traumatized from that because of what directly happened to her but because of the original curse that was put on them if that curse had never happened then her then her family would still be alive her mother and her father would still be alive they they wouldn't have had to move in with their aunts and they might have even embraced witchcraft because maybe they could have had the opportunity to see that witchcraft does good things and not bad things or there's a balance even because with with witchcraft and with um the, the metaphysical world you have to have a balance of good and evil and if you don't then things are unbalanced and that that's when mess happens so sally just had this idea that witchcraft only produced harm only produced sadness or anger all these negative things but she was also judged as a child because the town always had this opinion that the Owens family were witches so based off of this conspiracy superstition thing that the town had going they would ridicule the Owens children and Sally and Jillian experienced that firsthand they were outcasts in a town where they didn't necessarily do anything to um, deserve that that also was a traumatizing experience I mean when you and so this identity or this theme of identity comes up very often especially like identifying as a woman and the historical trauma and everything that does involve that particularly and so Sally rejecting her identity yeah she rejected it for so long but then when her and Jillian both needed it and used it to her benefit even though it was for good use the result was damaging because once again it comes it comes back to the idea of balance. You you can't just suddenly try to use something, try to do something because you need it in that moment and then just throw it away again. It's that consistency, that balance. Also, like I was saying before, identifying as a woman can sometimes result in feeling powerless and kind of how Jillian and Sally were feeling like outcasts and they were feeling powerless there um even in our society when it comes to you know governmental laws or conversations that happen on a daily basis you can feel like you're you're powerless because how is it that these decisions are being made for me these discussions are happening about me and i'm having to to live life this certain way but I had absolutely no say in this. 
as I was saying before a little bit, witches have always been powerful figures that girls and women can look up to. Look at all of the movies that people love. Harry Potter with Hermione Granger. You have Hocus Pocus. Everybody loves Hocus Pocus. You have The Craft, Bonnie from the Vampire Diaries. Bonnie especially, her as a witch, like she was constantly facing many, many problems, many, many conflicts, and she came out of every single one of them. Even though they wanted to kill her off in in the series, she was still there standing on both feet, both legs, and she was ready to fight again. And that's, that's what I call a true queen right there. This idea of feeling powerless comes into play when Jimmy abuses Jillian. And you can see that when Sally and Jillian are together and Sally is trying to rescue Jillian, per se, Jillian does look like she sees herself as weak at least or she feels weak you know she has bruises on her face she's been crying and when sally comes to help her jillian's like no i'm okay he just got a little bit upset that is a sign of weakness because she's not standing up for herself she's not taking the initiative to get herself out of this harmful environment as a witch particularly that's why um, I just said what I said is she has the, the power to she has the power to get herself out of that situation she's not as weak as she sees herself Even Alice Hoffman, the author, said in this interview, it was just very exciting and thrilling to think of a witch who didn't care if she was portrayed as ugly, as I said in the beginning, which of course I felt like I was, or not beautiful enough or whatever, but still had power and didn't need to be rescued. And though, of course, Jillian in this movie does need rescuing, um, or... (laughs) Technically, yes, she does need rescuing. She doesn't get rescued by a man. That's one thing that I liked about this movie is that it centered women. It was very women, female-focused, feminine-focused. Even as a powerful, strong woman, you may need rescued sometimes, but you can always count on other women to help rescue you, which goes into what I was saying about the camaraderie of womanhood. Now, um, I did really like the portrayal of generational trauma as women. As I was saying, Maria Owens cursed her family after being outed by her witch hunter lover. And that resulted in a lot of things. As I kind of broke it down with Sally's trauma in terms of turning her back to witchcraft altogether. I think there were some times where Jillian used it to her advantage, but she didn't completely embrace it. Looking at Sally and Jillian and how they both act completely different also shows you the way that people can take trauma and cope with it in different ways. Jillian completely went rogue and she started visiting all these different countries and states and having a good time with herself as a bachelorette and getting into all these different fleeting love affairs and getting herself tied up with bad people sometimes. Whereas Sally stayed in Massachusetts and she stayed with her aunts particularly and she tried to ward off love as much as she could but then she fell in love with someone 
they both took different different paths and it's because of the way that their trauma growing up affected them i also really liked the cinematography particularly the colors that were used i think the the blue and purple and green orange they were all very bright colors that created this magical feminine element to the movie particularly the blue and the purple slash pink at the end there there were a lot of blues and purples and i think that there wasn't like in terms of using magic how some witch movies will show you the sparkles and show you the glitter and the pinks and a lot of cgi effects of magic if that makes sense This movie relied more on the cinematography to um, elicit that feminine energy. And I also thought it was really cool that Sally's daughters resemble Sally and Jillian as children. Now, Jillian is a redhead and Sally is a brunette. And Sally's daughters are brunette and redhead as well. And so I just thought that that was a little cool. I don't even know what you would call that. Because I don't think it would be foreshadowing particularly. But Easter egg maybe. What I didn't like though, I felt like it was slowly paced, I will say. Now, I, I wanted to like this movie as much as everyone else. But I think the difference is that I didn't watch this movie growing up. I think the first time I watched this movie was with my mom. But we watched it when I was in high school maybe. And I definitely fell asleep when I was watching it and so i just didn't grasp onto it and then this was my second time watching it and i can see why people like it i thought that the soundtrack was really good fashion amazing it was very very early 90s ish with the music especially the last song that played i'm pretty sure it was stevie nicks or fleetwood mac one of the two i mean stevie nicks is a part of fleetwood mac but i don't know if it was her solo or her in the band but i loved that then there was a certain part where sally and jillian sally was grieving after her husband's death and she had called on jillian through like the scar on their hand or something and jillian appeared but by the morning jillian was gone And that part was kind of confusing because I didn't understand if it was a dream that Sally had had or if Jillian projected herself. I mean, because they're they're magical. They're witches. So, like, I don't know if she kind of projected herself to Sally or if she really just traveled overnight. Who knows? I don't. But I feel like cinematically they could have done something to make that look a little bit more clear or make that um, part of the narrative a little bit more clear those are really all the likes and dislikes that I had I feel like this movie was fairly simple in terms of of watching it um you know like I said the themes were really good I loved seeing Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman side by side. I loved watching, I loved the fashion particularly and the colors again, like I said. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you just come across movies that that you don't have too much to say on. It's just, you know, I enjoyed it, I did. I will say I rated this movie a three out of five stars on Letterboxd just because I remember when I started it, I was waiting for some sort of excitement. And even 
towards like the rising action and the climax, I still wasn't feeling like excitement. I I think the only time that I was really like 100% interested in it was when they were in the car with Jimmy. Other than that, I just kind of like, okay, sure. And I also feel like her, like Sally, Sally getting along with the cop and, you know, like forming that relationship was a little rushed too. Like I, you know, he was investigating them, but I just feel like they tried to force their connection a little bit faster than what then like you know there wasn't any tension and I like my romantic connections with tension in movies and books so yeah but if you have not seen this movie or you just don't want it well okay if you have not seen this movie and you don't want it to be spoiled then now would be the time to click off but if you have seen the movie or you just really don't care about spoilers by all means stay on I'm glad to have you And for those of you who are clicking off, sad to see you go, but this is not goodbye. Your seat will still be warm. I'll have snacks for you and can't wait for you to return. Now, I don't have a lot of a lot of other spoilers. I must say, like I was saying before, this movie was just very simple and, you know, and that's not bad. That's not bad at all. But there just wasn't too many talking points on it. Um, But I will go over those things that I thought could be spoilers. I think really the only one was the camaraderie of womanhood. I really liked how at the end when they were needing to rid Jillian of Jimmy's spirit or whatever, um, the aunt asked Sally, do you have any friends to call? And so Sally then tried to call every woman in this town that she knows which, you know, she has some people who work for her shop that she has downtown. But other than that, a lot of the women in the town kind of steer clear of her and her family because they all think that she's that she's a witch. They think the whole family is are witches. So when she was asked to call friends for help, I was like, oh, this should be interesting. And I think because of the way that the movie had uh, followed up until now... You didn't see her with a lot of friends. Any other interaction she had in town, they were either calling her a witch, moving to the other side of the street, or they were in her shop working for her. So you were expecting for her to not be able to find help because of just her um, her reputation. But she talked to you know a few people who then talked to a few other people and they all ended up coming together. And I I particularly noted how there in the conversations they were having, they were talking about how Jillian was going through a really bad breakup with a with a guy and they just needed help, right? Which you know, to sum it up, yeah, that is the truth. But at the same time, It wasn't just a bad relationship. He was literally inside of her as an evil spirit. And I don't know if they knew that part. Um, But they all ended up coming, coming over to the Owens house, including one woman who like publicly humiliated her by calling her a witch, telling her to get away from her son, everything like that. 
And she even came. And Sally was like, oh, I'm surprised that you're here. And I forgot what the woman said, but it made me happy to watch all these women come together because they empathize with Jillian if the whole idea was that Jillian was going through a really bad breakup because everybody's been through a bad breakup at some point in their life, especially women. Women find themselves in abusive or toxic or just negative relationships at least one time in their life. So every woman can empathize with another woman on that matter. It, it, it was almost like there wasn't any hesitation for them to come either. It was just like, oh yeah, for sure. Like I know what it's like. And they all come over and they don't really question it. They just they just do what they got to do. And and I love to see that representation of of woman companionship because a lot of movies like to portray um, women companionship. Now, would I have liked for Sally to just not end up with a man? Maybe because a movie about womanhood and sisterhood and, you know, just like embracing your identity as a woman and then ending it with a happy ever after with a man just feels redundant not well yeah redundant but also um i can't think of the word right now but yeah it feels just a little bit redundant it's done it's been done before like why why can't the woman just be happy on her own with her kids and her sister and her family i don't know but still i can see i can see why they you know ended the story there i can see that being one of the reasons that people love it sure if it makes you believe in love even more by all means believe in it but uh yeah that that's all i have to say on the movie i think i already i already talked about what i rated it on letterboxd now if you don't know where to find me on letterboxd that is avery c-o-f I post great reviews on there. They're not very serious <laughs> because you get all the serious reviews here. And that's why it's important to tune in because then you can see my funny comments on my letterbox and be like, I know what she really is trying to say, but this is funny. Yeah. On my Instagram, I post the upcoming episodes, some just kind of like short reviews that I don't really need to do full episodes on. Um, I post, you know, fun memes, fun TikTok reels. Um, yeah, everything that you that you could ever love, you'll find on my Instagram, which is the Unbound Cinefem Pod. Or you can also follow me on Twitter where you can find live updates of me watching movies and my reactions and my reviews. Um, Not necessarily review reviews, but just live action updates on Twitter, which is at the Unbound Cinefem. Now, um, if you are still not following me by the end of this episode, I truly do not know where our relationship lasts. I don't know if we can, if we can move forward. No, I'm just kidding. Um... You don't have to follow me on social media to be considered one of my listeners, one of my beloved cinephiles or bibliophiles, although it just helps me to get to know you all better. And that's what I want to do. I want to build this community. I want my bibliophiles and my cinephiles to find common grounds. Not that y'all are waging a war or anything, but there are a lot of similarities in books and movies, and that is my job as your beloved podcast host. So... 
that being said, thank you all for tuning in so much. I always and truly appreciate it. Make sure you do reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're loving at the moment. Or if you recently seen a new movie, Halloween Ends is now out. So let me know what you think about that. Other than that, happy streaming, happy reading, and I'll catch you next episode.